Like when I meet with other presidents, universities, they say to me, Rabbi, I know Yeshiva University has a long storied history, but why do you speak about it like it's 3,000 years old? Because <laughs> it is. Because <laughs> so, we start our beginning of Yeshiva University when Moses came down the mountain at Sinai. That was the beginning of Yeshiva University. And it was, trans, it was a tradition that was transmitted from generation to generation. You know, and that is, is, is at the essence of what our tradition is about. It's Mordechai ben Yar ben Shimi ben Kish, meaning it's not just the parents. We are, I am the, I am the son of my father. And he is the son of his father and my great-grandfather and down the line. And my mother and grandmother and down the line. And that defines who I am. And I am a continuation. So we are deeply rooted, but our goal isn't just to stay back in our past. We're deeply rooted and we're forward focused. We bring our tradition out into the world. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Raising the Jews Next Door. It is an absolute pleasure to be sitting with really, really one of the leaders of our door to talk about parenting the Jews next door. Rabbi Dr. Ari Berman, who actually recently just came out of the book, The Final Exam. And uh, it's really an incredible read. I read through it over the weekend, and it was awesome. So thank you for that. And it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm, I know you are super, super busy, and I really appreciate taking the time. Thank you so much, Yair. It's really a pleasure to be here with you, as uh, you are someone who is uh, a model of our values. A proud uh, alum in Musmach. And we're uh, so pleased to watch you continue uh, to be mashpia on so many people in your roles, multiple. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so why don't we start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Just, you know, <laughs> just a little, little, little life story, you know? <laughs> okay, well, you know, I date my beginning from Harsinai. Mm, sounds good. I think we should all do that. <laughs> so how far back do you want me to go? I guess let's just start with your, you know, I guess I know you were... Pr- before, before, Jewish Center, actually where my uncle was president when you were the rabbi at that time. What? Sam Goldman. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Crazy, crazy, right? Small world. Oh, I love <laughs> Sam. Wow. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll start from there and then go take us take us to where we get to now. We're the president of Hawaii. Sure. Oh, my gosh. Sam <laughs> Goldman. That's amazing. So, uh, I was the uh, rabbinic intern assistant and associate rabbi hmm. at the Jewish Center. Uh, it was towards the end of my, uh, we started towards the end of my smicha career at YU as rabbinic intern, and then into my years uh, learning in Rav Shechter's Kolo and then the Kolo Elyon. Mm, nice. And um, uh, at the same time, uh, Rebbe Umori, Rabbi Jacob J. Schachter, mm. uh, announced his, uh, uh, that he was leaving the Jewish Center. Right, right. And under Sam Goldman, yes. uh, began a search for the new, uh, for the new I remember, rabbi. I remember well. I remember when you first came in. I remember I was like, I used to go visit once a year, at least. And I used to hear you. I heard, heard Rabbi Schachter, you know. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. So that was, uh, those were great, uh, great times. And um, I was fortunate to be uh, selected as the rabbi of the Jewish Center. And at the same time, I started giving shear at YU and the BMP program. Oh, nice. The wow, I didn't program. know that. That's cool. I was a ROM in, uh, in Yeshiva University in the Beit Midrash program. And um, at one point, it began to be very difficult to be a full-time rebbe 
and a full-time pulpit rabbi I'm sure. of that uh, <laughs> uh, congregation. Uh, I remember actually Rabbi Lamb uh, said this to me, uh, Rabbi Lamb of Blessed Memories, also a dear Rebbe and teacher of mine. Huh. So he asked me, Ari, he said, what do you want to do? Because I was online to be a Rosh Hashiva. And, you know, there's always this line that they talk about. Right. Now that I'm present, I'm like, where's, this, where's the list? <laughs> but funny. apparently there's this list. So I was on the list, and I was also uh, slated as, uh, you know, rabbi of, uh, of Akila. And he said, what do you want to do? Which mm-hmm. one do you want to do? I said, I'd like to try to do both. <laughs> and he's like, no. And I said, you can't. You're not going to be able to do both. And I said, listen, I'm going to try. So I tried to do, I tried to do both, and then... Eventually, uh, it became very challenging. Uh, at first, I had um, I partnered with Rabbi Chaim Eisenstein, who's a dear mm. friend of mine. Nice. And he, he was our first episode on this podcast. Really? Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. Incredible. So he's a dear friend. So we, um, we partnered in delivering the BMP uh, Shi'ur. He had the first half, and then I had the nice. second half. And then afterwards, we brought a kolel. Instead of me traveling, we brought a kolo from Shechter's kolo to the Jewish Center. Oh, no way. And I was the wow. Rosh Kolo. Oh, wow. wow. So That's I so was I, as the Rosh Kolo, and uh, we had six Smicha students who came to the Jewish Center. Wow. And uh, also the rabbi of the, the Kila. And then uh, we left to go on sabbatical, which is a longer story, and eventually made Aliyah. Um, which continues that journey. Wow. Uh, so I don't know how far you want me to go. It's <laughs> incredible. Wow, wow. So I'm curious, you know, what, let's, I guess let's get into to some parenting. You know, first personally, what was, what was it like, you know, how were you parented? What, what, what were some of the ways that you were parented that, you know, I guess as a result you tried to emulate with your children as you oh, brought so up nice. your own children? Um, you know, there are multiple, uh, so many answers to that. I'll focus on one uh, very specific uh, I remember in my home, um, uh, my father, blessed memory, Irene Kaparat Mishkavo, passed away about uh, six months ago. Hmm. Um, uh, was uh, very much a role model for me in um, in communal life and in living one's Judaism. Um, and my mother uh, was really... Uh, together, they both were incredible role models for me. I remember specifically, like my Shabbos table, my father was filled with a lot of energy. He loved telling stories. Nice. He loved telling stories, and um, and as I got older, I, you know, I learned to appreciate the, the the art of a good story and the way he the way he landed <laughs> was really was a gift. And, um, you know, at the table that was filled with adults, we always had a lot of, grew up in Forest Hills, we had a lot of family friends, they had a lot of friends who'd come over with their children. Whenever I had something to say, my mother would make sure that the table was hushed, was quiet so that they could hear me. That's nice. That's really nice. She always valued my uh, words and always always, uh, gave me the confidence, and I attribute... uh, much, uh, in addition to my father as a role model, uh, um, I've spoken about him over the course of this year much. My mother uh, really helped me find my voice. Mm. Wow. And uh, I try to do that with my children also. Through that, through that, like making sure that when, when you wanted to say something at the Shabbos table, it was like... Yeah. 
And that even as a child, meaning adults, you know, they have a, they have what's important to say. What does a child have that's important to say? That's really nice. And she made sure that I knew that what I said that she thought and that they were, was important. Yeah, that's very special. And, uh, you know, that really stayed with me in uh, our own raising of our children. Wow, wow. So you mentioned at the beginning of this awesome book, for those of you who are on the, on the video, got to check this out, the final exam. So you mentioned at the beginning that your family adjusted very well as, they, as you went to the Jewish Center. Mm. What steps did you take to help them to integrate? Because that's like a very sure. big... You know, big role, big change. Sure. Well, I, I'll continue the theme. I mentioned my mother. I would say my wife, uh, Anita, who um, we met in high school. We were dating since high mm, school. Nice. And uh, so I really, uh, we grew up together in many, in many senses. Um, so she has always done an amazing job of anchoring um, us. Mm. And in all turns, in all spheres of life, to uh, the family is our priority. Mm. And especially at the Jewish Center, where children of pulpit rabbis uh, can often get um, uh, both lost and um, challenged. Why? Why is that? Um, you know, the, the expectations of a kihilah, which are correctly placed on the rabbi right should not be placed on the rabbi's children sure and uh anita always made sure that they were mm. uh, that everyone knew that that's great and you know when it was good for them to be in shul they were in shul when it was not good for them to be in shul they were not in shul and they were the priority uh you know and for myself as well as the rabbi uh to make sure that uh, we didn't only they didn't we didn't choose the shul over them mm -hmm. <laughs> all the time. You know the story I like to tell. Actually, I said this in shul um, was the akeda. That if you look through the akeda, there's a word that appears uh, most prominently, and that's hineni. Mm -hmm. That Hashem says to Avram, Avraham, and Avram answers hineni, and hineni uh, does doesn't just mean I am here, but I'm here for you. As Rashi's Lashana Nava Vizimun, whatever you want from me, right, right, right. I'm here from you. So Hashem says, Avram says, Hineni, I'm here for you. And then he tells him to do the Akedah. Then afterwards, the story slows down and Yitzchak turns to Abraham Avi. And Avram says, Hineni. Hmm. And the whole tension of the Akedah yeah. is that the two aspects of Hineni in Avram's life, the Abraham. Ivri, the Abraham who's the servant of Hashem, and the Abraham Avi, right. the Abraham who's the father of Yitzchak, he'd do anything for Yitzchak. Mm -hmm. Just like he's there for Hashem, do anything, he'd do anything for Yitzchak. We're in this irrevocable, irrevocable tension. And Avram had to choose not just what to do, but he had to choose two aspects of his life. Like which one is he going to be the servant? Which, is he going to be the father? Which one's he going to be? Right? And they're both Hineini. Hmm. Wow, that's so fascinating. And that's why the drama is at the end, the Malach Hashem comes to him and he says, Avraham, Avraham. Hmm. Twice. Right. And what, the way I understand the story is the Malach Hashem says, Hashem wants both Avrahams. Right, right. We don't want you to sacrifice one. Hmm. For they're both fulfillments of Hashem's will. Vayomer and Avraham says, Hineni. Hmm. And that's the resolution 
to oh, the story. That's fascinating. That you should Love not that. sacrifice. Right. Hashem doesn't want you to be sacrificing. You're, so what I said to the Kila, and this I spoke about on one Rosh Hashanah when we were reading the Akedah, that when you make life decisions, or when a rabbi makes his personal decisions, like he has to make sure his children know that they're chosen. Right. You know, so for example, a very small, you know, pragmatic example for a rabbi, you know, every time he's running to Mincha Mariv, Minyan in the shul, and his children are at home and they have homework and other mm-hmm. things, and he's not with them. If every time, you know, he's running to the to the meeting to go and his children are, you know, that's a problem. Right, right. You know, so they have to see a balance of both the Ivri and the Avi. Right. You know, and that modeling is how you know, rooted in my wife, who made sure that we were, who always made sure that we were wow. anchored wow. Uh, until today. I remember I was once talking to someone who was a big CEO, and I was asking him, I said, well, you know, what type of advice do you have for parents? You know, as a, just, just like we were just like talking. And he said, he said, you know, I was once, when I was preparing to become the CEO, like they had like this whole entire process, and I had to go and pre- prepare all these presentations. And I went and after I finished presenting, one of the one of like the main main people came over to me and said, "I want to know how many hours did you spend on this?" And he said he was like, "Oh, I spent like all day on this." He's like, "Wrong answer. When did you play with your children during this process?" Right. And he said he's like, "I I, I couldn't. I was too busy." He's like, "That's not. We don't want you to be the CEO if you're going to forget about your children." Yeah. And that's exactly like you sure. Know. I remember. I mean, in this in my current capacity, I speak to a uh, number of people who. Um, are in the CEO kind of uh, uh, model. One of them, who's a, a real role model for me, he has on his desk a large, a huge picture of his family. Like his multiple generations. It's, as you see his desk, it's a huge picture of his family. And I said to him, how does he make sure that his family knows how important they are to right. him? Because he's going about, he's running a very uh, successful business. And he looked at me befuddled. He's like, because they are. Like, they know. I call them. I speak to them. They know that they're what's top on my mind. Yeah. So it's it's really to, to be able to express that, uh, you know, in words and deed is sure. uh, essential. 100%. And another thing that you mentioned in the book was that there was kind of this, like, expectation that you were going to go to YU. Like, it was, like, always that expectation, right? So I'm curious, you know, how, first of all, how was that conveyed to you as a child? And I'm curious, like, did you have that same type of expectation, let's say, of your own children? And, like, how did that type right. of... Right. So I would say it was not so much an expectation, but I never thought about doing anything else. Uh-huh. Meaning, when I was in MTA, I went to Yeshiva University High School. Yeah. And... Um, and the applications or, you know, you have a choice of, of where other colleges you'd want to go. I never thought really? that I'd... I, I was I, the same. I only applied right. to YU. I was like, I, I know I'm going right. to YU. If like I that. wanted to go to someplace else, I could have gone to someplace right. else. Right. I was never expected. Was so just, where, where do you think that came from? Like, how did yeah. it come to the place where, you, like, that was like sure. your only yeah. thought? Like, where was it? I was like, we're, we're very much a YU family. So how, did, how does one make that? Like, how does yeah. one make a, a YU family? Or just in general, how does one create a culture in their family like that? that yeah. That's yeah. like so felt and so powerful sure. by the children that way. Well, my personal story with the institution goes back to uh, my father and mother. Um, uh, my father was the president of the student body of Yeshiva College. Oh, nice. In nice. 1962. Oh, so you like always had this presidency in you. Right. <laughs> 
Well, it actually doubles because my mother was president of the Stern College oh, student wow. body in 1962. That. That's serious. That's serious. <laughs> and they met because Dr. Belkin introduced them. Oh, really? Wow. So, so you really worry why you failed. <laughs> right. So we, we had YU and my uncle uh, Julius is a very close Talmud of right. Rav. Right, sure. And Yeshiva University has been an hour, uh, you know, uh, nourished. It's It's... We've been nourishing from its uh, and tremendous Torah and Hashkafa and worldview uh, throughout my life. Um, uh, but more than that, it's the mold, it's the model that which we were growing up. And that's really what I speak about the final exam, which is what is our Hashkafa, what is our worldview, the importance of articulating to our children our worldview, and that's essential. Yeah. And that's what the book so is So how does about. one do that? How does one give over uh, that hashkafa to their children? It's so important. Is it like explicit conversations, or is it like... It's so important. I think the first step is to know how to articulate it. Mm. Um, you know, this many of our families are worried about attrition. Mm -hmm. um, that's what this whole entire, pro, you know, the whole gen off, this whole entire thing is because of rates of attrition. Yeah. Our whole entire, we're aiming at trying to reduce... That's like literally what it's all about. Okay, so this is what this book is about. This book is for your podcast. Amazing. That's why we're... That's why we're <laughs> yeah, because what I believe, that children move in many different directions. I believe that if we want to transmit uh, our worldview, mm -hmm. which is uh, has multiple values yeah. and goals to live richly, uh, then we need to first know how to express it. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes um, we fell even to ourselves to be able to articulate what we stand for. And this book is based on, it's called The Final Exam, because it's based on the Gemara. Right, right. That there are six questions that one will be asked at the end of their life. The Gemara learns from the, the Pasuk, Vaya Amunasi Techa, that while Yiras Hashem is the basis for everything, there are six questions that you're that one's going to be asked and mm -hmm. learn from each of those words. From Emuna, it's Nasatav Nasatav Emuna. Did you deal business with Emuna, which means with honesty, but also with faith? When you go through life with Emuna, sure. it's a different type it's of different life, right? Kavati Itam Batora which isn't just about setting aside times to study Torah, but did you see the times through the prism of Torah? Hmm. Um, did you not just have a family? Did you spend your time of your life, your quality and quantity time raising your right, family? Right. Which is about not just waiting for salvation, but did you, did you work? Want it, right? really. Did you work for it? Right. You know, which is all a lot about being a Zionist, mm -hmm. you know, and feeling the, the responsibility of bringing Geula uh, in our times of bringing redemption and Ravanta Dabra which I understand to be as a process of growth, that you see your life evolving and growing at each stage, that you weren't stagnant, but everything was possibility and potential. Do you yourself, not just on your children, do you yourself, are you yourself growing? Right, right. And that type of frame is what our hashkafa and what our education at yeshiva, but not just at YU, but our worldview yeah. as a whole tries to instill in our next generation. I'll tell you one quick story. When I gave the book to Rabbi Willig and I told him what it's about, the final exam, he said to me, you know, the, the, the logo Torah Umada was new. 
it was started in 1947 when it, we became a university. Right. But before it became a university, there was a college mm-hmm. and the yeshiva. Right, right. And that's what yeshiva was. And the logo was Vaya Amunasi Techa Chosin Yeshua's Chachma That was the logo. Wow. And we found it. Hmm. We have the throwback logo. Wow. That, that should like be like. No. I know. We, I didn't know it when <laughs> I put crazy. it out. That's nuts. But that's what Yeshiva Mercy has always stood for. Right. It's always stood for Yiras Hashem as the base. Mm-hmm. Everything is for is for Hashem, and to live richly, which means being out in the world. Right. And thinking about how to sanctify God's name. Sure. With amuna and with faith. It means raising your family. So you're saying the ability of a parent to articulate that is to be able to answer those six questions. I think the first step is to to be able to express to our children uh, what we stand for. This is a frame that helps hmm. our parents uh, be able to discuss the multiple values wow. in which our community stands. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, wow, this is incredible. I'm curious, you know, as the president of Yeshiva University, so you're seeing children as their, or not children, adults, at the end of their Jewish education experience and the end of, you know, their, as they're kind of leaving their parents' homes as well. So what would you say is the, one of the, or one of the biggest challenges or any, or the biggest challenge, whatever you want to say, sure. that our generation is, is, is experiencing right now? Sure. Uh, I'm saying with, with the enormous um, pace of change that is happening in the world, uh, this is a different, uh, uh, evolving society uh, than what we're used to, and it's going to continue. Yeah, and it's created significant instability. Right, and you know I've said this in many contexts. Um, for example, speaking to other faith-based universities and meetings with other presidents of faith-based universities in the country, that the crisis in the country today. It's not a crisis of faith. It's a crisis of meaning. Hmm. That people are seeking meaning and they're getting lost. Because of the instability, you're saying? Because of the instability. So interesting. Hmm. And what we have to offer uniquely are deep roots. Right, right. When you say instability, just to define for anyone who's listening, like what do you mean by that in terms of what, what aspect? Yeah, all of the, um, the society's values. Hmm. Uh, the very uh, uh, sense of identity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people are defining themselves by how they feel in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And saying that we, well, then that's what, going back to your earlier question, meaning for me, I start my life at Sinai. I say this all the time. Like when I meet with other presidents, universities, they say to me, Rabbi, I know Yeshiva University has a long storied history, but why do you speak about it like it's 3,000 years old? Because <laughs> it is. Because <laughs> we start our beginning of Yeshiva University when Moses came down the mountain at Sinai. Right. That was the beginning of Yeshiva University. Right. And it, right. Was trans- it was a tradition that was transmitted from generation to generation. Hmm. You know, and that is, is, is at the essence of what our tradition is about. It's Mordechai ben Yar ben Shimi ben Kish, meaning it's not just the parents. Right, right. We are, I am the, I am the son of my father. And he is the son of his father. Right. And my right. great-grandfather and down the line. Yeah, yeah. And my mother and grandmother and down the line. And that defines who I am. And I am a continuation. So we are deeply rooted. But our goal isn't just to stay back in our past. We're deeply rooted and we're forward focused. Mm. We bring our tradition out into the world. 
Like we're, we're being Makade Shem Shemayim. We're sanctifying God's name and bringing the Geula, the redemption through it. That's what we educate our students. You know, I often quote Martin Luther King that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. So mm. if we begin at Sinai, we end at Geula. Right. And what we teach our students, we teach the next generation, is that they need to take their talents and skills and bend that arc. Mm. Wow. That's what they're doing. And that's the great story, the history, the destiny of the Jewish people. And our students, the next generation, our children need to be brought up and raised with the sense that they have an extraordinary important role in bringing to fruition the destiny of the Jewish people. So how do we give that over to them? Meaning how does a parent give them, like it's, it's a, I, I, I feel like I've heard this idea before that parents need to give over to their children this concept of the ability to be great and their, and their, their, their big responsibility. But how do they give that over in a way that a child really takes it as opposed to just saying, like, nah, it's not for me? You know, like. There's no question the most important thing is role modeling. Yeah. Um, I would say two, two points. The first is role modeling. Be machabed, your parents. Be machabed, rabbanim. Meaning the parents have to be machabed, their parents, in order for. Right, right. Let it, let it be clear that you, that the parent, understands that they're deeply rooted. Yeah, yeah. That this is who they are. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And and then be out in the world in a way uh, that is has a higher uh, calling. Um, you know, we have in our logo now in service of a higher calling. Mm. Uh, that when one is out at work, it's not just about Parnassus is important. Yeah. It's not just about More that. than just that, right? It's more than that. You have an opportunity to be Mikade Shem Shemaim, every interaction. Sure. And that if you're thinking about that, and then you tell stories to your children about that. Yeah, it's going to say, it's going to bring out a lot. So the role modeling is essential. The second, and I can't emphasize this enough, everything has to be love. Everything is love. It's that Hashem, what's what I tell my children? The most important thing I can share with you is that Hashem loves you. Hmm. Totally, unconditionally, always. Yeah. Hashem loves you. And when a parent and children, whenever any interaction, everything, has, everything is bathed and soaked in love. Totally. Love for the children and love for Hashem. Yeah. You know, it's um, uh, one of my favorite Kamarot. Is the Gemara in Yoma that says, You should love Hashem your God. What does that mean, you should love Hashem your God? That the name of Hashem should be beloved through you. That when people see your actions, they say, How amazing. Right. Hashem. Hashem. How amazing. Right. How about their parents? How common, how wonderful it is for their parents. Mm. So there are two concepts that we have when it comes to Hashem. One is being mevakshe panecha, and the other is being mekadshe shamecha. Mm. We are mevakesh. We seek Hashem. Right. We love Hashem, but we're also mekadesh shemcha. And that it's concept... Like that dichotomy that you're saying, right? Both internally we're mm. seeking and we're mm. bringing it out right. into the world. It's what our community is uniquely capable of doing today in ways never before seen in Jewish history. Right. 
We're talking about raising our children with a sense of achrayut, of responsibility. What they can do today in Jewish history, because they graduate into all levels, you know, from the cubicle to the corner office of influence and even power, with the communications as it is today, the opportunity to, to spread a message of love, of sanctifying Hashem's name, acting like a mensch. Yeah, yeah. You know, to your, to your coworkers, to anybody out in society. Your fellow, I mean, it's enormous. Yeah, yeah. It was also something you spoke about in the book also about how Torah is the concept of consistency. So it's like the consistency of both realizing the roots, but also being and going and, you know, consistent with it and taking it out to the... Absolutely, absolutely. Look, we, I talk about a lot about our core Torah values. Right, right. And what Yeshiva University, what our community stands for. Because there's something that links us. You know, there's something that links um, Eula, you know, to uh, Barron in Houston. Right. Uh, to Katz in Boca. And uh, DRS, you know, beyond the Sarachek tournament. <laughs> right? There's something else, and we know it. Right. Right. And it's our core Torah values. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Totally. I'm curious, you know, raising a family... In the in this day and age, is there's the, it's a challenging part. It's a, there's catch between two. On the one hand, you want to make sure you have the greatest education possible, right? On the other hand, tuition is crazy expensive. Mm. So, you know, what suggestions do you have for families to uh, to be able to navigate that in this in this day and age? I think it's one of the great challenges um, of our generation to broaden the question. Uh, I, the way that I frame it is uh, covenantalism versus consumerism. Mm -hmm. And we live in a consumer society. Meaning what? Um, we are driven. You know, Eric Fromm talks about there are two states of being, to have and to be. Mm -hmm. uh, to have is very much part of our uh, consciousness. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the society that uh, we live in. Very much so. You know, and <laughs> Rabbi Sachs, you know, once mentioned that... Um, the consumer society started with Steve Jobs coming down the mountain with two tablets, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the iPad 1 and the iPad 2. Right. You know, and from that, you have a whole culture of I, I, I. Yeah. You know, and we, in covenantalism, you know, we focus so much on the we. Right. And the sense of community, which is both about the past that we talked about and about building sure. together for the future. So to live in this consumer uh, society, uh, which is so... Uh, costly, mm -hmm. and to think about the uh, financial modeling uh, with yeshiva tuition, yeah, it it becomes a primary challenge. You know, I know because I made aliyah that there's other ways of uh, of re of focusing uh, one's life. You're saying in terms of the way that a family's spending. You're saying right? Yeah. No, I mean Israel's so different in terms of that. Yeah, and that's been one of the great. Um, aspects of my life that I found is making Aliyah and living in Israel for 10 years in Nevei Daniel and Gush Etzion. We still have our house in uh, Gush Etzion. Yeah. <laughs> this is Shlichut uh, Aruka, as I say, but of course, uh, um, uh, as uh, our future is uh, certainly Torah Tzion, is certainly sure. in Israel. Yeah. Um, most of my children are still in Israel uh, uh, today, of course. Nice, nice. Um, my, three of my sons um, served in the army in the IDF, oh, wow. learned in Hezder. Hmm, nice. uh, that's uh, that's for sure. My daughter's now in Sherut Lumi hmm. in Israel, and to see the different societies 
um, you know, the strengths and, and areas where they could be stronger yeah. uh, is fascinating. One of the differences is, is this, which is to, to what extent you're in a consumer society right, and you're making decisions accordingly. Yeah. So much less. I don't know if the right word is Gashmith there, but it's just so much less. It's just the materialism is just much less of a focus there. Yeah, and it's a it's a challenge. It's yeah. it's truly it's truly a challenge. Uh, another aspect is this sense of history, meaning they surely believe that they're moving forward in history. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And we are too in America. Yeah, yeah. You know, so for our parents and children to have a sense. That they're part of the process. Of course, they should consider and not make Aliyah. Um, but whether one lives in Israel or in America, they're part of the greater process of the Jewish uh, journey. Yeah, uh, moving yeah. history forward. One of one of the letters in this uh, amazing book again is all about gi- giving over the love for Torah. Mm. How can parents give over that love for Torah and to make it really part of that, like you said, the mold that they that is part of the family life? But uh, you know, how does how does that become part of it? Look, love is the is, it's loving Hashem is the first uh, it's first and foremost that Hashem loves you, yeah, and the sense of loving Hashem, um, and with that spirit, uh, for the child to see you, to see the parents, mm-hmm. where Torah and Tefillah. Uh, are an essential part of their lives. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the, uh, it's not pressure. It's not going to come through pressuring the child that this is what yeah. he has to do. Right. Uh, he has to see it. He has to be enthralled by it um, and, and find joy in it. And what does a parent do if, let's say, it's something that they personally struggle with, but they know they want it for their children. It's just, it's, a, it's not easy for them, which is not easy for anybody, but meaning it's like, it's really hard for them. So like. You have to find yourself. The first thing is you have to find yourself. And, and Torah is so large. That's the whole point. That's, you know, why there's 613 mitzvahs. So you'll find your place in Torah. Yeah, yeah. That's the, there's no one derech. You know, we talk about one of our values is Torah Adam. Mm-hmm. Is every single person. Uh, is born B'Tselem Elohim. Mm. Uh, one of the stories that I often tell at YU is uh, I, I quote a movie that um, sometimes goes over the head of my uh, students, <laughs> and that is Chariots of Fire. You wouldn't know what it is. I, mean, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but for anybody over, uh, let's say, 50 who's listening to this, they'll know what it is. But it's a story about this runner who was born to a family of pastors. Mm. And, and he spends, he does marathons and sprints. And in one scene, his sister says to him, you know, why are you wasting your whole life running? Hmm. And he answers that God has given me the gift of speed. And when I run, I feel his presence. Hmm. And we all have a different way of feeling Hashem's presence. Wow, that's really nice. And find yourself in the, the Torah is large. Wow. Hmm. You know, and then let your child find him or herself. Yeah. Well, uh, as we wrap up, any final message for parents out there to, you know, how to best parent their children in any way? Yeah. Everything in life is siyata deshmaya. Everything. We spend um, countless of hours strategizing, <laughs> preparing, uh, business plans. Uh, everything is siyata deshmaya. Um, it's true in all aspects of its life, of our life. And it's certainly true when it comes to chinuch and raising one's children. Yeah. 
Every child is different. Every child is holy. You know, and it, it's, it's with a lot of ishtadlis, it's a lot of, a lot of effort, and siyata deshmaya, and amuna. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for your time. It was really such an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. And, and thank you for continuing to do what you're doing, uh, being madrich, the next generation of, uh, of our children, in the proper way in the Derech Torah. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.